Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 526 with Ethan Stoll. Discipline means to me having everything in place. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. You got to check out Wisetail, a premier learning management system. Wisetail is a forward-thinking training and communication platform built to engage today's workforce. Wisetail is trusted because it grew up alongside some of the most recognized restaurants in the industry. This has helped them shape their product and its functionality through real-world feedback and rigorous testing. Wisetail can help you scale your training initiatives across all locations while empowering your employees to take control of their learning and their professional growth. To learn more, head over to www.wisetail.com slash unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. And if you use my links, you'll get your first three months free after signing up for a year contract. Again, that's wisetail.com slash unstoppable. Wouldn't it be great if you could play music directly from your Spotify account in your own restaurant without worrying about being pinched by the music police? Well, guess what? With Soundtrack, your brand, you can. Unlike Spotify Premium, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack, your brand is licensed for business use. And with SoundtrackYourBrand.com, you can import your favorite music from Spotify and share them directly with your guests. This deal typically goes for $26.99, but if you act now, you can get this deal for $19.99 per month per location for life. Get on it. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Ethan Stoll. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? <laughs> Always, man. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what we like to hear. So born in Germany and raised in Capitol Hill, Seattle, Ethan Stoll is a self-taught chef. He opened Union in 2003 and hasn't looked back. By 2008, he was named one of Food and Wine's Best New Chefs in America and has been nominated for more James Beard Awards than he cares to remember. Fifteen years after opening his first restaurant, they have grown the restaurant group to technically 16 locations and you're still going so i can't wait to kind of figure out how you got to where you are today and what you've learned along the way but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with the success quarter mantra what do you got for us i mean for me you know i mean you know we preach it uh you know you know with our crew all the time i mean it's work hard be honest keep it simple you know that you know we, we we're not we're not a we're not a huge company for for quotes but you know i mean if I, you know i do believe in, a, in an industry that's already tough if we keep a, if we keep it honest and work hard we're gonna do all right yeah and I'm, one thing i hope we i tap into in today's conversation is how you keep that level of honesty and transparency as you grow as you connect with more people that you're responsible for how you keep those commun- those, those, those channels of communication open wh- while having to manage so many things and to, to keep that honesty must be tough uh has it been gotten more difficult or no you know it, you know in all honesty you know it's gotten easier uh you know when you're a younger uh, when you're a younger cook you know you're always trying to figure out how to be cool 
Uh, and and as you get older, you learn and you work and you you know you know and you stumble and fall a few times. You realize you know the only thing that you know that, that in the restaurant industry that is that is very consistent is work ethic and uh, and and you know and being yourself and uh, and you know that's got to be good enough in my opinion. Man, I love it. A great way to get this thing started. So let's bring it back to where it all started for you. From what I could gather, you're self-taught, uh, but. There are probably still some people we can tip our hat to, right? And to come up that kind of had an influence on you? For sure, for sure, for sure. You know, I mean, I definitely, you know, I mean, you know, I learned about food uh, and cooking uh, from my folks. Um, you know, you know, I mean, as you said, I was born in Germany, you know, you know, and I'm not German. You know, I was born there. I spent a few years there. My parents were both artists and they worked there. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, my dad's big hobby was cooking, you know, I mean, you know, the one big thing that, you know, that left an impression on me on, on growing up was that, uh, every day at six o'clock you had to be at, you know, at the dinner table, Yeah, you know, and, and it, and it wasn't an option. So, you know, that kind of, that kind of discipline and that kind of consistency growing up, you know, you know, it really, it really, uh, kind of left an impression on me about, uh, you know, about the importance of, uh, talking. Yes. Uh, and one of the great places to do that is a dinner table. Yeah. I'm really happy you went here cause I thought maybe you're going to say, Oh, you know, I learned a lot about the importance of food, which I'm sure you did, but at the same time, that the importance of communication, the port, the importance of that FaceTime and being with your people and just talking so, so, so valuable. Uh, so how are you different today? Like because of that, I'm curious. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, as a as a young cook, when you're in your early twenties, uh, you know, you're trying to tackle the world, you're trying to leave your impression, you're trying to, be, you know, you know, make a mark and be different. Um, you know, I mean, and I think, I think, I think, uh, uh, you try to do that through food, you know, I mean, you know, definitely having a parent, you know, having, having role models and my parents being artists really you know, kind of led me down the more, you know, the more artistic path of cooking, you know, and then as you get older, uh, you know, you, I mean, you know, as I said before, you know, you, you, you have a couple of stumbles, uh, you know, you know, the world kind of checks you a little bit and, and you kind of, you know, you, you know, you regroup and you decide what, you know, what's, you know, what's really important. And for me, what's, you know, what was really important was seeing people gather around a table, uh, being very hospitable to them, uh, seeing uh, good people working by my side, uh, being super friendly and hospitable to them as well. Uh, and that, you know, and that kind of, you know, that kind of narrowed the field and, you know, and kind of put us on a path. Okay. So um, what were you doing before 2003? What were some of the key <laughs> things that set you up to open your first restaurant? I mean, I worked at a few restaurants. You know, I worked, you know, my first job was a, you know, was a, was a catering company where the, where the owner was the chef and he was uh, super passionate. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and honestly, it was a great place to start. You know, having somebody who's super, uh, you know, super passionate about food is great. Uh, and then I worked with a buddy of mine named Phil. He opened a restaurant. And then I worked at a couple, you know, you know a couple of restaurants and hotels. And, you know, it was kind of that, you know, was, you know, but a lot of the stuff I did uh, to kind of, you know, to kind of teach myself was kind of side jobs. You know, I mean, I've, I've always been a, I've always been a worker and you know, I've always liked working, you know, six, seven days a week. Uh, so I always did try to do catering on the side and, and, you know, in private parties and, you know, anything, anything I could do to kind of get better in practice. OK, so at what point did you know you were going to open your own restaurant? Oh, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, in the restaurant industry, I knew it pretty early on. You know, I knew I wanted to be my own boss. Um, so you're 28 when you opened your first place. So yep. at what age do you think you're at when you're like, all right, this is what's going to happen? Well, I mean, you know, it, you know, in all honesty, you know, I mean, when you know, when when you first start off in the restaurant industry, you you know, you don't make a lot of money. No. Um. So uh, it was really, you know, at first it was like, hey, I got to become a sous chef. Uh. So that kind of drove me. And, you know, and it wasn't all money. You know, it was definitely, you know, you know, you wanted to have some have some say, you know, in 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 how your day went and you know, be in charge of others. But you know, I want to be a sous chef, and then it was wanting to be a chef, and then it was like, hey, you know, I want to go take that next step to 
be you know you know to be an owner. Okay, so how many years were you working as a Sioux uh, or maybe an executive before t- taking the the leap? I started in. 95 and uh, opened my first restaurant so in 2003. Eight years. Yeah, eight years. Eight years of working in the industry. Were you being intentional, taking jobs to learn certain aspects of the industry? For sure. For sure. You know, Dive I, into like your thought process and yeah. how you were targeting these learning sure. opportunities. You know, I mean, you know, for me, it was really, you know, I, you know, I mean, you know, growing up in the restaurant industry, um, you know, for me, it wasn't as important, you know, to make money. It was more important about where I worked. So I didn't care how much I ever got paid. Why I, was know. that so important to you? Why was that the Just most Just because, you know, it was it was learning technique. It was learning discipline. You know, I mean, you know, I've never cared about an extra buck an hour or going to work at a place that, I, you know, that I didn't like. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to go to places where I was I liked. Uh, I, I knew uh, I would learn stuff. Uh, and I'd learn organization. I'd learn, you know, I'd learn, I'd learn food techniques. Uh, so, you know, it was really about, you know, kind of doing as fast as I could. You know, I mean, I think in the restaurant industry, you, you know, you have two choices. You can either go to culinary school or you can go work in the restaurant industry. And I think if you're going to work in the restaurant industry as a young cook, don't worry about where, you know, don't worry about how much you're getting paid. Worry about where you're working. Especially when you're getting the difference between what you'll get paid in one place and the next place is like one or two dollars. Yeah, I know. Like that <laughs> is going to come back to you tenfold if you're working with the right people who are going to give you the skills, the knowledge, the disciplines. But even beyond that, aligning your brand with other successful brands. If you're working. Totally agree. Yeah. You know, like you're going to attach yourself to that success and people are going to assume that you have that you're, you're cut from that same cloth for sure, which is a good assumption to make and maybe not exactly the same. It might be a different pattern, but like, you know, you're going to pick up a lot of those good habits. Yeah. Um, okay. So what was the biggest lesson you learned in being proactive, getting out there, surrounding yourself with the right people? Is there one lesson that you can uh, attribute some of uh, I don't know, not, not one thing, but is there like one thing that really sticks out? Like if I didn't know this, maybe I wouldn't have made it as, as far as I did. I mean, I, I think for me, it was really about uh, kitchen organization. You know, okay. I mean, you know, it was it was I, I always wanted to be a chef, you know, and, you know, as soon as, I, you know, the dad's in the industry, you know, I wanted to be a chef and 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 you could very easily see everything about success in a, in a, in a kitchen is about being organized. You know, that's super easy to figure out. You know, if the, if the walk-in's a mess, you know, if your station's a mess, if anything's a mess, you're, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're definitely going to go down and not be successful. So for me, it was going to places where, where there was a high level of discipline on organization. Um, you know, I mean, and, and, and that was early on, you know, after you get in your own, open your own restaurant, it was, it's a whole mess of things you yeah. learn. But, you know, I, you know, at the point I opened, opened my first restaurant, I knew exactly how to run a kitchen or exactly, you know, I had, I had a very distinct, uh, and strong, uh, uh, opinion about how a kitchen should run. Um, how should a kitchen run? How should a kitchen run? I think it should be super disciplined. Yeah. I think one person should be in charge. Uh, I think it's best to have one opinion about food in a location. Um, obviously there's outside influences and things like that, but, um, but I think the chef should be in charge. So when you say discipline, I mean, we can throw these words around, but what does discipline mean to you? Discipline means to me having everything in place, Mm. having, uh, you know, orders coming in when they're supposed to, uh, you know, there are no shortcuts in, in, you know, in restaurants that I just don't believe there are. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you know, getting in early, getting your stuff done, making sure you're set up, you know, I mean, because as soon as, you know, as soon as you're unorganized in the restaurant industry, 
you just go down. Yeah. You know? When I hear the word discipline, the word that comes to my mind is uh, standards, right? And having the discipline to meet those standards every time. For sure. Um, consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Consistency. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, everybody talks about, you know, you, you know, you know, restaurants and being, you know, uh, you know, you, you have to get used to doing it a thousand times and yeah, you do. In all honesty, you know, I mean, you know, you know it, it's how we think about menus now is how we think about uh, how we do things is we want to do things the same time every time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and that is that is discipline. It's standards. It's you know, it, it is it is it is it is uh, it is holding yourself accountable and holding others accountable. So, when did you know you were ready to open your your, your own place? Oh well, you know, you're a young, arrogant, arrogant <laughs> cook. <laughs> I I knew right away. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I was severely wrong. The day but... <laughs> I was born, I was ready. Um, so when like when did you start making? moves to to actually make it happen well i started you know i mean i, I had been um a sous chef and running some you know running a kitchen and it was you know you know as i said earlier i started doing a bunch of these caterings and so that kind of got my you know got my name out there a little bit because i was doing a lot of them okay and um and you know, were you then, putting money away at this time? Were you? Do you have cash flow coming in enough? No, to no, put no, away? no, okay. no. I was broke. Okay. <laughs> I was broke. But the thing was, I was doing uh, events for people that were like, "Hey, you should have a restaurant." And then it was, you know, I mean, you know, every restaurant's first, you know, every restaurant uh, is funded, you know, on their first one is by friends and family yeah. for the most part. Friends, families, fools. So, so I was, I was, you know, my network was growing. So I, you know, I ended up meeting enough people so that I could scrape together enough money to do it. Okay. So, what was your approach to that? Uh, were you giving away equity in the business? Were you going to be paying? people back like how what was your uh solution both uh there's a small piece of equity and you know and a lot of it was in trade okay. so they can come and use it or they can get cash out so how know. do you get creative with trade I, I don't know if people use that enough the bartering and like favors and maybe they do use it too often in this own document <laughs> uh, but how do you approach that um you know we i mean i you know everybody has you know i, I had a i had a i had a friend of the family that helped me help me kind of come up with a business plan and uh i mean it worked you know i mean granted you know we came up short as all restaurants do uh so i had to take a personal loan and that was you know that that, that was kind of the bridge loan you know to kind of get the thing Did open you realize you were short okay so it was before you opened that you realized you were short okay oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, actually you know i mean honestly you know i mean i was kind of naive and uh, and and actually, our you know our first opening, I didn't really realize how much money we were spending or how much money we were spending unnecessarily. So it was actually one of the smoothest openings we ever had. Okay, as far as construction because you just and all throw you're throwing money at whatever. Well, we were just we were just like, hey, we, you know, yes, yes, of course, you should take your time, get it done right, and yeah. do the stuff. Granted, I'm always you know you know every every build out seems hectic at the end, but it was a pretty actually it was actually a pretty solid build out. You know, it was actually a pretty smooth, seamless, uh, easy process. Any uh, experiences that weren't smooth during this process that you can share with our listeners to kind of help them avoid making the same mistake um on that first build out yeah no uh, yeah i mean i think you know we definitely you know i mean a couple of the decisions you know we made as far as you know lease and loans and who we took them from we probably made some mistakes on that so being a little you more know, picky who you're, t- you're taking money yeah from. to be you know be a little more picky about who you're doing doing business with i mean you know nothing terrible but you know i mean it was it was uh it was it, it was you know, I was kind of, I had, I, had, I had blinders on about <laughs> about about what people were telling me and who to who to who to work with. Okay, you know. So, um, but it's all fine now. I mean, everybody learns. Yeah, without like a, builds exp- character. Yeah, without exposing anybody or ta- bad talking anyone. Like exactly, uh, what was the conflict? Was there a conflict in interest? Did they want one thing? You wanted something else? Were they? 
No, nothing, nothing like that. It was more along the lines of there were some people that thought, you know, that thought that they they had hired a personal chef. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing big, but it was like you know, I mean, and granted, you know, it's your first one, and you know, it's your first one, and everybody, you know, everybody makes mistakes on yeah. the first, on the first one, two, and three, and even in some cases now we still make mistakes. Any other know? mistakes that came from that first experience that you can drop on us now? No, no, not really. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, granted, you know, we we we. We uh, oh actually there is one. We decided we we went into a locate lo- a location that was gonna be awesome in th- uh, th- three four years, and I might I mean granted we did okay because I don't I don't for some reason that restaurant got every single award you could get which was great yeah uh, but it was in a it was in a construction war zone. Are we still uh, talking about Union right now? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so uh, across from Union, you know, there was an art museum that was built. There was a Four Seasons Hotel built. There was this big uh, Washington Mutual Tower for their all their banking center was built. And and I wouldn't recommend anybody to go into a location that is gonna be great in a few years because you know you have to get there. Yeah. Which is tough. A few years is a long. A few time years is a long time to go through construction, yeah, especially the early yeah. early years. So. Um, Doing some research, it sounds like this was a very uh, art-focused restaurant. Uh, details, probably a lot of labor expenses. I'm assuming with the, the is it is that kind of the? It seems like after doing my research, it was the economy that, that shifted, and you were kind of high end. And that business model didn't work during the, the right. Economy. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, pretty simply, I mean, we were actually doing okay until the recession hit, and you know, Washington Mutual was across the street from us, and the government seized Washington Mutual. So, and then a bunch of other companies around the neighborhood folded because of that. Uh, so, I mean, literally within you know within a month, you know, fifteen thousand people got fired within oh, like man. four blocks of us, That's which rough. was not good. <laughs> so, take us through those early days of uh, of you know the, the true struggle of making it. What was it like? How did you change in those those early years you know you know you know looking back at the first restaurant you know i mean the thing is you know you open up and you're like okay i'm a business owner this is you know i'm in charge of this it's now my way um and and you know a few things that i kind of didn't expect and one of them i really should have i mean i should have known that i was opening up a small business but i think i thought i was opening a restaurant but restaurant happens to be a small business yeah and i knew everything there was to know about restaurants but i didn't know anything about owning you know being a small business owner okay uh, so that was a huge learning curve so really share the biggest mm-hmm. lessons the biggest things you well, learned well those things were like you know figure out your you know taxes and you know how do you handle uh, uh, insurance and how do you handle uh, you know you know b and o taxes licenses sign you know permits and sidewalk cafe permits and you know all the l and i stuff and all these things are like whoa this is a lot yeah um and especially for a, you know a young guy who, who's who was not a money focused person you know um you know i definitely was not a business owner um you know and the other thing that was really hard in, in all honesty was was i went into this thing as having a very distinct um idea of what a restaurant should be and everybody and they're all, and everybody every customer um is super nice and super generous but everybody feels like they need to give you advice their yeah. two cents uh so all of a sudden you have this kind of mental i mean these are people you know and people you trust and people you like too i mean some people you don't know they just come give you unsolicited advice and sometimes it's really good advice and sometimes it's 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 bad advice but it's always conflicting advice because somebody thinks you know the portion of steak is too big and somebody thinks it's too small yeah so <laughs> and they both tell you and you're like what the hell so what do you do you you listen to everybody how do you handle that you listen to everybody and you know um you know it took me many years to kind of sift through uh, what was valuable to listen to, and, you know, and I started listening, you know, to trends. But in the exactly. beginning, you know, um, 
in the beginning, like Yelp was super popular and uh, it was a lot more aggressive than it is now. And all this uh, online um, um, stuff was happening and customers were coming in and giving you advice. I just felt kind of overwhelmed by the amount of input I was getting. Um, because I didn't want any of it. <laughs> you know, I was young and arrogant. But, you know, your friend that you've known for 15 years comes in and tells you something. You're like, oh, okay, wow. So I found myself consistently kind of tweaking a lot. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't that I was like, oh, God, I got to change this right away. But it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because everybody's advice makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, but it took me a while to figure out that I needed to kind of be – you know, you know, you know, be toughened up a little bit by that, you know, or, you know, you know, you know, you know, God forbid, you know, you get a bad review or something like that. And that really hurt. What do you mean toughened up by getting feedback from a guest? Is that what you're saying? Feedback or criticism or whatever it may be. You have to you have to figure out, you know, I do my best now to, you know, to kind of put myself in their shoes. You know, somebody comes in and says, God, it took me forever to get a drink. Ah, they might, you know, now my thought about that thing is that, yeah, you know what? You know, we might have had a push and they might have had a rough day and they just set them off. Yeah. Because that can happen a lot, you know. So for the person that's out there who is feeling what you felt, overwhelmed, so much coming down the barrel, what do I pay attention to? What do I not pay attention to? Especially with like all the, the licensing and, and regulations. What's your advice to that person? My advice is, my advice is, 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 is to figure out a balance. You know, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would, I would, I would be, I would uh, handle all the work stuff during the day. I would, I would probably would give up. What do you, you mean know, by work stuff? Like, you know, like taxes and, okay. and payroll the and not all that fun stuff. stuff. The not fun stuff. <laughs> I, I realized that, that as a being, a, you know, when you sign up to own a restaurant, you're signed up to be a small business owner. So the business side is equally as important, and it's probably more important than me and you know me me being in the kitchen chopping shallots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what I really love to do, and that's what I, that's where my comfort zone was. So that's where I went. Yeah, uh, where a lot of this other stuff got neglected. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, it, it's you know, it's you know, everybody has their learning lesson. You know, I think it's important to you know to figure out that balance. You know, I'd, I would definitely. Tell everybody, set aside a few hours a day to handle the stuff that you need to handle. Yeah, and to the compound on what you were saying earlier with the whole information thing. Like, I interview people for a living. I'm constantly getting information and advice, and it's not always the same advice. It's also, it's sometimes very counter, you know, opposite advice. And I think all we can do as young people coming up is to listen to it all and to look for those trends, like you said. And also the other thing is there's a thousand different ways to get from New Hampshire to Washington State. You know, you can right. you can get there. There's a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? Right. So and look at we we're talking earlier. Your your neighbor is right behind you. Yep. Um, uh, the carpenter and the carpenter. Yeah, like off the street location, right? Like you wouldn't know it's there unless you knew it was there. Right. But one of the best restaurants in the city and got all this accolades. Yep, for and sure. It, whatever happened to location, 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 yeah. right? <laughs> so like, there's like, you gotta, I don't know, like there's weird things that happen, but you just gotta follow those trends. Um, cool. So eventually, um, you start opening other restaurants. I think the yeah. next restaurant was, uh, Tala, uh, Tavolata. Yeah, Tavolata. Yeah. Thank you. Um, when did you know it was time for number two? Well, I mean, you know, well, for one, the number one wasn't making very much money. So it was, I mean, like literally it was, it was still living paycheck to paycheck. Like I had done as a cook or a sous yeah. chef, you know? Um, which was fine. I didn't mind actually, but um, it was like you know there was this trend going on around around the country where chefs were opening casual concepts, and then you, and then you know the story was the casual concepts were supporting the higher end ones. 
So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Let's go make one, you know, that's going to make some money and uh, do well and can support our, you know, our, you know, our real, you know, our, our real pride and joy. Okay. Um, and, but you know, I mean, you know, when that happened, I found myself actually enjoying working at the casual one more. Okay. Why because, is that? well, it was just, I mean, it was, you know, the thing is it, customers didn't come in with the same level of expectation. Um, so it made the win so much easier. You know, you know, at uni, everything was in a perfect spot. You're plating stuff up with tweezers. Um, but the casual one, people just came in to have a good time. Yeah. And I was like, this feels good. Yeah. This feels good. And then, so then we started opening some other runs. And part of the reason we opened some, uh, opened some ones later was because we were just, like, literally, we were, literally the recession was hitting. Uh, so we started, you know, we, we were trying to, we were trying to, we were trying to pay off debt. We are like, okay, well, we can open up restaurants, at least make a little bit of money to tell, you know, you know, to help pick, you know, cover the losses of, of, of some of the other ones. So, okay. I, mean, they meant, I mean, everybody thinks I had this big grand plan to own a bunch of restaurants, but I didn't. At first, it started off being like... You are trying to stay above the water. We were just trying yeah. to stay above the water. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, um, eventually, your wife came on board as a CEO. When did that mm-hmm. happen? We formed the restaurant officially in... Well, we added... We added um, uh, Tabla in 2007 and How to Cook a Wolf in 2007. Uh, and then we formed uh, Ethan Soul Restaurants in 2000, the end of 2008. Okay. So, and, and, and that's when she came on board. And it, it wasn't initially uh, as CEO. I mean, she just kind of grew into that role. Okay. So, um, which I should, this is probably a good time to mention that you guys should check out Angela's episode. She was episode 153. It's crazy to think that was almost uh, 300 episodes ago or over 300 episodes wow, ago. Where are we at? Right around 300 episodes ago. Um, it was a great episode too, by the way. So, uh, how did it sounds like at this point you're building your team, you're opening multiple restaurants, you're realizing you're transitioning from working in the business to working on the business. Is that is that when this transition was happening? Uh, that was probably that probably happened more along the lines of 2012 was okay. when I started doing it because I still was I still at this point when we had we had uh, Union Tavolata, How to Cook a Wolf, and then we added Anchovies and Olives, uh, and then 2010. We decided that union was just tough. You know, it, it was the heart of the recession. It was losing a bunch of money, so we just tried to get out of it. So um, this is four restaurants, I counted correctly. Yeah, right four restaurants okay. at this point. Uh, and then uh, we were working on Stable and Fancy, the one we're in right now. Uh, you know, and and it kind of worked out great that we we you know we sold uh, union for pennies on the dollar. Just it was just really to get out of the lease. Okay. Um, and then we transitioned that whole entire team over here to Staple and Fancy, and it worked out fine. And and then at that point, then I was a uh, I was a, uh, the chef and you know working on the line every day here for you know a couple of years, two three years, and then it kind of ended up being like, okay, let's get some other bodies in yeah. here. You know, I need to start focusing on some other stuff. So and what was we, that and we, like? And we really started to- getting involved in the community. So that was kind of fun. Okay. Well, what was it really like having to um, close your first restaurant? Was that that you know was, was that an emotional challenge for you? Well, everybody, everybody, everybody says, "Oh, was that was that, was that tough?" And yes, it was it was tough. But you know, the thing is, when you're dealing with a restaurant closure or a restaurant sale, you you know. You're not selling it because you're making too much money or that it's too easy to run. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, and and I would guess that you know ninety percent of the people that are going through that thing, by the time it's finally done, you're like, let's just be done. Yeah. You know. So it wasn't it wasn't as. I think going through the process of of accepting the fact that we had to do it was harder than actually getting it done. What made you know you had to do it? 
It was just, I mean, it was a recession. I mean, like literally when the recession hit, unions cover counts went down 65% overnight Okay, when Washington Mutual got seized by the government. So basically this, the, the demographic wasn't there in the city to support the, the concept. Yeah, not, yeah, not at the time for sure. Okay. And, and it wasn't like, I mean, you were closing that restaurant, but at the same time you were opening another restaurant mm-hmm. that was more uh, fine-tuned to uh, the, the current economic state. So yeah, it was more and, of a, and, a lateral also, move. Yeah, it was kind of a lateral move, but it was also, I mean, we, I mean with Hattacook and Wolf and Tavala, we really enjoyed going to neighborhoods. So this opportunity came up at Stable and Fancy and, and, and uh, down in Ballard, which we, you know, we thought was a cooler neighborhood. So where was Union? I'm not really familiar with downtown. Seattle. So it was basically in like the concrete was, jungle. Yep. First so you, Union. So you wanted to get back into a more intimate situation. Yeah. And then also a little bit more casual dining. Um, you know, and I mean, and you know, and it, and it, you know, this one worked out great. You know, I mean, we lived in Ballard, we liked it, we wanted to do something in our in, in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it worked out. It it's worked a beautiful out beautiful space, by the way. Yeah, too. I love it in here. So uh, that's where we are right now, by the way. Staple in. Sorry, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. Staple fancy. Thank you. Staple fancy. Um, so real quick, um, you had mentioned in a previous interview that I watched preparing for this that you learned that the smaller, uh restaurants the you know the 40 seat restaurants can be just as profitable as the 150 seat restaurants or whatever right. if not if not more if not more yeah. so how why i mean well i mean i think the thing is is that is that um you know one of the things we le- did learn at union was that the size of the space was just not a very economical size you know it was not a very economical uh, layout and it was not a very uh, good use of square footage and uh, you know i mean it was a 3800 square foot space and we had the same number of seats in that as we did as we did at Tavolata, which was half the half the square footage basically mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we started thinking about some of those things like that and had a cook a wolf came along and it was, you know, tiny square, it's a thousand square foot restaurant and it was making, you know, solid, solid income. And so we, you know, I started thinking about that and started, you know, kind of devising my own metrics about how it measures spaces. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, you know, it, it, it does work out well at times, you know, if you're a neighborhood restaurant, it's better to have a smaller square footage, you know, it, you know, it is less space to have extra bodies on. So your labor uh, percentage ends up being a little bit more easy to, you know, easy to control, or it just naturally controls itself. Uh, and if you're turning tables, that's where, that's where the best thing to happen is, okay. you know, so if you have a restaurant that's, you know, that's popular and 75 people want to go to it and there's only 40 seats. Then that's good. You know, then you then then you're extend you know, you're extending the time where people can come in so that you're getting busier earlier on and you're staying busier later. So that okay. means you're just getting more people in door and those people that are working are being more efficient with their time. Okay. Um what were how many turns were you doing at Union before you closed uh versus say uh how to cook a wolf? Well, uh <laughs> Union how many turns? I mean, I don't know. On Friday Saturdays we do one. Okay. Then during the week it was brutal. Uh, and I mean, you know, this is also at the, at the end, you know, yeah, okay. it, it, def- it definitely had times when it was busy. I wasn't thinking but, about yeah. that, but I was, uh, like, but I, yeah. I was wondering if you're doing more, more turns in a smaller oh, yeah. How space. How to Cook a Wolf would do three or four. Okay, cool. You know, we'd be, we'd be cooking still at midnight at How to Cook a Wolf and we'd only have three service, service staff on and we'd have two cooks and one dishwasher. So six yeah. people and uni would do less sales, less bodies and have more people working. So really what I'm hearing from you is your prime costs were much lower with the smaller locations because you don't have as much rent. You're not paying for as much space. Right. And the people, uh, a lot fewer people, you can cut people easier. Uh, that type of thing really helps you control those prime costs. And you can- right. So I mean, how restaurants work, right? Everybody, everybody thinks that it's a check average thing. Like, hey, they're charging a lot. 
it's actually not that. I mean, you know, what it is is you know, every day we calculate. You know, I mean, this is this is getting pretty dorky on numbers, but no, you know, I like we, it. We, I like we, it. We, we calculate how much it costs to be open that day, right? So, how much is the rent? How much is the insurance? How much is the labor we're going to have on? Um, you know, we don't. We don't. It's not cost of product uh, because that's you know that is that is um, uh, fluctuating. But everybody that comes in that day is going to get paid no matter what. Right? Okay. It doesn't mean we're going to sell the steaks. So uh, we, have this, we have this dollar amount that every day we have to get to. Uh, some days we do. Most, most days we do. Some days we don't. But uh, any transaction above this dollar amount. So say Staple and Fancy costs $2,000 to open up, right? That's all the labor. That's all the insurance. That's, you know, that's, you know, repairs and all that stuff. What, you know, and all that kind of stuff, the garbage and everything. And if we get to $2,000 in sales, then every transaction over that, Profit. All those, all those things are, all those costs, all those prime costs are covered, and we're, we're doing, after that point, we're doing seventy percent transactions. So, the, uh, you know, because basically everything has a thirty percent cost roughly on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the more seventy percent transactions we get, you know, because tra- you know a seventy percent profit margin is great. That's, yeah, it's a really great profit margin. So, the more of those types of transactions we can get. You know, the better off we are. So, okay. like, that's why Friday and Saturday is so important because you may have a two thousand dollars cost opening up. You may do eight thousand dollars. So, six thousand dollars of that is a seventy percent win. Yeah. Now, on Tuesdays, it may not be the same scenario. You may not get to you know. You may only get to five hundred dollars over your prime cost. Yeah, you but you're going to use the the Friday and Saturday profits to right. keep the average up. And those numbers are all those numbers are not accurate. I'm, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Um. So eventually, um, thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for getting into the detail. Uh, eventually, you start thinking of more of a bigger business that you're, you're removing yourself from the day-to-day to be more working on the business. And you're still working every day, but you're working on different things, right? right. Uh, so how did that look like? How did, what was this transition like, and how did you have to change? How did you have to transform? Right. Uh, so, I mean, so we started thinking, you know, I mean, I started thinking about, about that model, right? How do I get more people in the door? So, um, you know, my thing, you know, as, as Ethan Stoll being the brand of the company, the face of the company, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, just, and just for the record, I don't, I don't give one bit of a shit about that. <laughs> I care about people getting in the door. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really about, you know, hey, how do I utilize this and how do I use, whether it's social media or, uh, or, or going out and doing events or doing promotions in some fashion to get people in the door. So I started, uh, um, instead of, Working on the, on a station in the kitchen, I started working on getting people in the door. Okay. Uh, so it was really about promoting the restaurants, promoting uh, our company, uh, doing a lot of stuff in the community, uh, any kind of like uh, event that anybody was throwing, we tried to do it. It was just really about marketing and getting people in the door, so people so people could become known. You know, people could, people could, could could get to know our company in some fashion. So what was that learning curve like? Learning how to get people through the door. What were the biggest lessons you you picked up along the way? Well, I think I think the thing is I think the thing that's, that you know that's important for people to understand, and I think what we've learned over the years is that it's just a long game. You know, it is a long game. It is not like all of a sudden one day I'm going to turn on the jets. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, it is about consistently being known because everybody, you know, let's be honest. You know, in restaurants, you know, everybody goes and checks out the new thing and they want to go see what's going on. Uh, and, but but you know, how do you last? You know, you know, how do you how do you how do you get them to come back multiple yeah. times? And how do you become a regular cycle for them? How do you become a regular cycle for them? For us, it's about connecting. You know, it's, I mean, it's it's you know, it's about connecting with them in any in, in any way you can in a meaningful way. Um, so we do a lot of like, 
school auctions in neighborhoods so people see our name, right? Or we do a lot of charity events, people hear about us doing something. Or we do um, a lot of events, you know, at you know that where you know you're either donating stuff or supporting another organization. So people are like, hey, yeah, we we see you here a lot. When you say you're doing the events, are you hosting the events? Are you creating the events, or are you a sponsor? That's all of them. Okay. All of them. You know, we're either, we can be a partner, we can be hosting it, or we can be donating it. And, you know, all those things. I mean, I do believe that over the years, all the stuff that we've done, uh, you know, I mean, it's not about, it's not about bragging. It's about telling your story about how you're important to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what's your reason for being there? And our reason for being there is because we like seeing people gather on table. We like people having, coming in and having a good time with us. And we like helping out the community and working with the community and making Seattle a better place. Um, you know, I mean, and granted, it's kind of evolved at that, but you know, the first thing that we started thinking about was how do we get people in the door? Uh, and then we started doing these things and we started having fun with them. Um, and our company started getting engaged with it. I mean, and I think that's been one of the good, good things about how we've grown and how people have, uh, you know, decided to connect with our company, whether it's employees or customers is like, Hey, these guys are, you know, these, you know, these people are actually doing a nice thing and they're actually, you know, they're actually working to help yeah. out, you know, because everybody wants to know that they're, you know, everybody wants to support a good business, right? Yeah. So if you're doing stuff, then it makes it easier for them to say, yeah, I'm supporting a good business. I think you're giving us great advice right now at 30,000 feet, like the big picture, the impact of being there for your community, caring for your community. If you care for them, they'll care for you. But can you get granular? Can you go down to like 30 feet instead of 30,000 feet and like give me like one thing that you've done, um, one practice that your your restaurant group uh, has that related to driving people into the front door that might also be tied to say community service or something like that. Like, one- well, I mean, I can, I can, I can tell you, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are, I mean, I, I'll, I mean, you know, and, and this, uh, this is kind of the more, more, uh, prominent one in, in today's age. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you about what my personal opinion is about social media impact. Okay. Um, um, I think there's, you know, when I think about social media, right. And I'm thinking about that is uh, it's another way to tell my story. Another, you know, you know, we think about things as impressions. How do we get more impressions for you know with our you know with our customers, uh, you know, and 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 we and we develop a you know my strategy is a three point you know it's, it's kind of got three part, parts to it. I want people to know that I'm engaged in my community. I want people to know that I'm fun, and I want people to know that I'm a family person. Right? Okay. Those are three things. Now, food isn't in there. Like I see all these restaurants around Seattle and all, all actually I was all over the place. That are like posting a picture of a of a dish. Like, like who gives a shit, <laughs> right? Like, there's not a single salmon dish out there that's going to make me want to get up out of my chair at home and drive immediately to Capitol Hill to have dinner there. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. What will we'll make you want to get up? It, I mean, a, a a reminder about uh, you know, you know. I mean, like I said, you know, in those three part on those three parts, it, you know, it, it is creating a story, a narrative for for you, for your company. You know, I think you know having a yeah, people are going to look at. You know, people look at Ford, you know, food porn all the time, and they take it as that. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's cool looking dish. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't Next. make them. That doesn't make them have any connection to it besides thinking it's cool. Then, all honesty, they're looking at a, they're looking at a, at a dish on, on social media. They're probably not even looking at, at you know at who's making it. You know, I would guess the majority of people out there aren't even looking. They're like, oh, that's a cool salmon dish. Yeah, they put cucumbers and dill and you know some you know you know some some oil coated olives with it, and that looks good. Looks tasty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they're not they're not necessarily knowing who's doing it or why they're doing it or whatever it is. You know, but if you're you know out there uh, supporting Children's Hospital and you have a nice dish and there's a story behind it, they're like, oh, that's cool. They're supporting Children's Hospital. Yeah. 
you know, and and then they might engage more and say, hey, who's supporting? You know, who's who's that doing something for Children's Hospital? I'm a big Children's Hospital supporter myself. Mm-hmm. You know, gotcha. I think we uh, we got some good stuff out of this bit of the the conversation. It's good to move on to some, something else that's really interesting to me in your story is during the recession. Um, you said that the recession, in hindsight probably helped you more than it hurt you because it forced you to develop some new practices. Mm-hmm. So what were the new practices that you developed during the recession that you still use today that have kind of contributed to your ability to keep going as strong as you have? Right. Yeah. You know, I, you know, you know, you know, like I said, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the recession probably was the best thing for our company. Uh, it was the worst thing to go through. I'll tell you that, yeah. but it was probably the best thing for our company just because it forced us to look at our numbers and our metrics. You know, all of them, labor cost percentage, food cost percentage. We started tracking things different ways. Uh, and, you know, and I was really hesitant to want to do that. Yeah. Because. Whose idea was this? Uh, it was mine. Okay. I, I mean, I didn't want to. I didn't really want to do it. Um, and uh, things start to get to feel a little stuffy when you start really breaking down. And you make it all about the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, it wasn't we, we, we eased people into it quite a bit. Uh, and I don't I don't think that was I, I think Angela probably would have preferred them to be forced all the way into it right at the beginning. But I think uh, easing them into it was like, hey, hey, hey we're going to tra- start tracking your food cost numbers. We're going to start doing this. Uh, and and over time, you know what the thing is, I thought I found out was that people like knowing. People want to know that they're having success. Uh, um, and um, we found out that, the, we, that we've gotten chefs that have been more engaged now because of this. You know, I mean, you know, we used to, you know, all, and all restaurants used to be very different. Your restaurants used to be such wasteful places, and they used to be, uh, you know, nobody watching any numbers at all. And there was always something at the bottom line that shook out at some point somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we found that, you know, that people that are uh, in, a, you know, or who are with us now are really. You know, they're really engaged in that side of it. You know, they, you know, they like it. They like knowing it. And, you know, I mean, and it came back to, you know, all the, all the beginning was, you know, when I first opened up a restaurant, I had nobody told me I was opening a small business. And so I floundered like crazy. And um, we had a couple people that left our company that didn't do great for the same reason. And I kind of felt, I kind of felt a little bit responsible in some regards. I was like, man, I should have done a better job of training them how to do that. Uh, so now it's part of our regular, you know, it's part of our regular practice. And we want people that are leaving our company. If they're going to go, you know, be a chef somewhere else, it's great. If they're going to go open their own restaurant, great. But if they're going to, wherever they're going to go, we want them to be successful. Mm. Uh, and we want them to learn. I mean, cause let's be honest, you know, that, you know, people that are going to be chefs at our restaurants, they already, they, you know, they're already good cooks. They're already really good cooks. I mean, we interview them. We have them go through tastings. They're already talented individuals. But the one thing they probably don't know that we can help them out with is how to be successful yeah. if they go open their own business. So was it during the recession that you went to open book management or were you just kind of, was it still with like management at this point? When did you go to full open book management? Full open book was probably about three, four years ago. Okay. And what was but that transition like? It was tough. I mean, it was, it was, it's tough because you know, you, you, it's tough to show, it's tough to, it's tough to, um, and it's still hard, um, you know, I think the restaurant industry is, is, is still has a good chunk of of uh, artists and uh, people that are, you know, that are that are that are singly focused on customer experience. Um, and sometimes you show them restaurants that are losing money and it doesn't sink in, mm-hmm. you know, but restaurants that are making money, they're like, why can't we get this stuff fixed, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this place is making money. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we're, you know, we have we, you know, we manage all our restaurants as one kind of package. So if one has to, has to support the other. Um, it, you know, you know, it, you know, they do, yeah. but it's tough at times when you're like, Hey, you know, like 
you you know your labor cost two percent is too high and we're losing money because of that yeah they're like well you know our customer service is gonna suffer it's like you know what's gonna really suffer this restaurant going out of business and then yeah. they're not gonna be customers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know i mean so it really is everything in restaurants is a balance you know it really is you you have to you do have to hit your numbers i mean and it's not we're not we're not like a you know we're not we're not like hey you missed your numbers for three months where you're fired nothing like that uh but we have to, we you know, there's, there's, you have to have a balance of everything. Yeah, and you've got to track it. You've got to trust and track. And if you can trust people and give them that room to do their thing, to manage the way that you train them to do it, and then be in the background, paying attention to the numbers, the data that's there. If something goes wrong, you're gonna know. You don't need to be there, but you need to track that stuff because that's how you can do it all. That's how you can manage it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll tell you right now. I mean, that, that's been that's been one of the major shifts in the wrestling industry the last ten years. I've seen. I'd say over ten years ago and and longer back, there wasn't a lot of accountability. You know, there was. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of waste in restaurants. There was a lot of fat to trim, and as things have gotten tighter and the cost of living has gone up, like in Seattle, significantly. Yeah, people, you know, they understand their house. They bought it for four hundred thousand dollars, and now it's worth seven twenty five. Yeah, they're like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then they go in and have their salmon. Like, this is crazy. Why is this so expensive? You're like, well, because <laughs> yeah, everything's going up in price here. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, p- customers don't necessarily understand a price increase. Uh, you know, is my belief. So I think our thing is is always try to make sure that we're providing the best value we can. You know, we talk about value um, uh, a lot, uh, just because value is the only thing that's true. You know, you can't. Everybody's perception of inexpensive is different, and everybody's expensive. Uh, you know, everybody's everybody's um, uh, idea of what is expensive is different. You know, some people think 14 bucks is expensive. Some people think 80 bucks is yeah. expensive. So, I mean, you know, we definitely try to, you know, make sure that in our category we're providing good value. You know, that's, that's where we talk about, you know, quality and value. Well, quality isn't value, value just perceived? And is it-, it is perceived, but it, you can compare it a lot easier. You know, the thing is, it's like, you know, hey, you know, we will talk oftentimes about like, hey, you know, yeah, you're offering a Wagyu uh, New York strip. You know, and it's, and it's, you know, and, we, and because of that, we have to charge $73, 78 bucks or whatever. Do you think that that's the best value proposition for customers? Or do you think we, they would prefer a, you know, a, you know, a nice prime one for 42 bucks? You know, those kinds of, those kinds of differences. Okay. You know, I mean, so, I mean, you know, I mean, we want to make sure that, you know, we want to make sure that, that we're making, uh, um, um, no, good decisions for our customers are what we consider to be the best bang for their yeah. buck. Ethan, I've loved this conversation up to this point. I'm kind of just going to bounce it back off of you now just to kind of talk about anything that you were hoping we would talk about or anything that we haven't spoken about that you think should be discussed in our, our time together before going to the speed round. I mean, I, you know, I would say, I would say that, um, you know, in the restaurant industry, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's too much hype in it. You know, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you, and I'll say, I mean, I don't, I mean, going, being in the restaurant industry for this long, I love the work we do and I love it. You know, I mean, I wish the restaurant industry was a little bit more camaraderie based. Uh, I do, you know, we've been touching that before the show about, you know, I wish everybody had each other's back all the time. And I think it's a very tough, it's a tough industry. I don't think it needs to be. I think it's I, moving I, I, in that direction. I, I think though. it is too. Yeah. You know, and I, and I love the direction that the restaurant industry is going where, you know, where they're getting more professional work environments. Uh, and more professional people working in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really enjoying it. You know, what's happening, too, with uh, the this shortage in labor, right? It's uh, tough. Man. It's really tough, but at the same time, it's also weeding 
people out because only the strong will survive. Only the best of the best will survive. And the people are only going to go to work for the best of the best. So it's kind of, you know, the cream rises, right? And it's, it's a real, it's a real struggle right now. But at the same time, I think it's going to transform the industry because of who's going to fall to the wayside after, you know, we weather this. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think, I think, I think the restaurant industry is coming up on a, on a, on a very big, uh, an important time for it. Uh, I would encourage all restaurant people that are thinking about opening their restaurants to wait a few years right now. I say uh, people ask me like, when do you? Want? I'm like, I don't want to open a re- like, I don't want to. I would not open a restaurant right now. And I, I hope that by hosting this podcast, I am able to talk more people out of doing it than I do people into doing it. And it's a service that I'm providing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, I think I think there's I think there's great opportunity coming up. You know, I mean, we're in Seattle, and every conversation about Seattle is. You know, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the economic boom is happening here. The construction boom that's happening here. You know, the, you know, Amazon, you know, you know, you know, boom that's happening and the internet boom and all these booms that are going on around here. And the thing about these, 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 all these things is, um, uh, uh, I look at it as in the next few years as a good opportunity for people to, you know, to either get in or to, uh, just kind of wait because I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity because you think about all these restaurants, all these, all these buildings that are being built. You know, nobody's opening a shoe store or a bookstore anymore. And there's going to be thousands of retail spots of coming of, up on, on the market that these building owners need to have them filled with something. And, and they're, they're, and, and they're yeah. going to be service-based businesses. Yeah. So there's, I think there's going to be a good opportunity for people because there's just going to be so many spots available that, that people can cherry-pick coming up. So I think if you're in the restaurant industry, you know, I would encourage everyone to start being very professional about it. Uh, make sure your resumes are strong. That's one thing that's frustrating right now with the labor market. The, there's resumes that people are just six months here, 12 months here, four months here. I mean, now's the time for people that, and I know there's so many options for people to work. Now's the time. I think now is the time to like tighten up your resume, tighten up how you do things, start being more professional. When you say tighten up, you're saying more longevity at each restaurant. Yeah. More longevity because all these, all these businesses, all these buildings are going to have, have opportunities for people. And they're going to have to start taking uh, gambles on uh, new people and first time first time businesses because they need people in their they, you know they need they need operations and yeah. services in their buildings, uh, and they're going to start looking at resumes that are consistent and good and have good references and good track records. I mean, I think that's that's the next thing. I think it's really important for people, and I think the people that have uh, are professional and do that are going to have good opportunities. Yeah, people that show that they're at a place for three four years, two three years instead of six months four months five months and their references are super solid and they're you know you know you know they're ethan stoles or tom douglas are vouching for them they're going to get opportunities that a lot of these other people that have not followed these kinds of rules uh um um are going to struggle with and they're going to be and they're going to be bummed out yeah one last question before going to the speed round uh who were you in 2003 and who are you today how has how has ethan stall transformed uh, years. 2003 I was a young arrogant cook that was uh, I mean I I'll, I'll admit I was I was a super talented young cook it's one of the it's one of the best things you can have one of the worst things you can have um uh and I was arrogant about it I was still nice but I was cocky yeah uh and um you know I thought I was going to open up the best restaurant in Seattle uh and I think in some regards we did at the time uh and now you know I'm a business owner I'm a community member I'm a dad 
<laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I'm a guy that just wants to see things grow and head in the right direction. I want to create good careers for people. You know, you know, I want to be able to enjoy my kids growing up. I want to have fun, and um, you know, and I want to work, and I, and I still want to work hard because I still love the industry. Beautiful. What's the future look like? Well, the future looks like you know. I mean, we've got a couple things coming up, um, but I think the future is kind of you know. We're we're gonna we're, I, I mean, I've, and I've said this every year for the last ten years. We're gonna wait and see what happens. I mean, we have a couple of things that are coming up, um, so, so those are gonna happen regardless. But I think we're gonna wait and see, and you know, we're gonna really start. I hate to say it, we're gonna really start cherry picking stuff. Yeah, because you know, at this point in our careers, we can. Uh, and I hope a lot of people get to that opportunity to be able to cherry pick things. But I think it really is. I mean, I go back to the same thing. I keep on seeing these young cooks that bounce around. It drives me crazy yeah you know you're like you guys are shooting yourselves in the foot right now well a lot of people are saying people that say like i read a lot of forums and stuff and they're like oh i have this opportunity to go here i've been at this restaurant for six months and i feel like i'm not learning anything new anymore and i feel like i need to go someplace else to learn new things what is your answer to that person that feels like they're not learning enough well i mean i mean at, i mean for two things one is hey for the first six eight months we're teaching you let us get some of the benefits of that after <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. um, for, and then the other one is, is like, it's not just about that. It's about showing you can be consistent, showing that you can stick around, showing that you are a member of a team. Yeah. Uh, like we've got some super young cooks. I mean, it, I mean, it's, and it's funny. I mean, like, like a lot of people complain about millennials. I actually love managing them. I actually love it. Uh, you know, they are very hungry for knowledge and input and, and feedback. Uh, um, uh, and I think that's great. And yeah. I think the ones that we, we've got, we, I can list off a dozen of them right now in our company that I'm like, they've been around, they get it. They want to be in the, they want to be in a company that has some support. Uh, and, uh, they want to be part of a good organization. They want to be part of a team and they want to, and they want to go up and grow. Yeah. You know, a lot of people give the millennial generation a lot of shit because of how stingy they are, how picky they are, how, what they're, they're they have standards. But at the same time, I think they're also contributing to the, the transformation of the industry because the, you aren't going to steamroll over one of these people nope. because they're going to they're going to call you out on your shit. They're going to look it up. They're going to they're going to fact check you. They're, they're, they're going to do their homework and yep. they're going to say, this is what I'm entitled to. And it's 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 kind of a good thing that's happening. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, it's not know, great for restaurant owners. But no, like, no, I mean, you know, the thing is, I actually think it's good. I mean, I think I think that, you know, and, and, it's, and as far as restaurant owners and restaurant tours. The ones that are successful now and the ones that have proven to be successful over the years uh, are the ones that adapt to, you know, you know, that do adapt to, you know, you know, to their coworkers. Yep. I mean, it's not it. I mean, no matter what anybody says and, you know, that whole yelling chef shit that was going on is, is so tired. It's so over. Yeah. And uh, it's not about um, you having this environment and your employees coming in conforming to you. It's about you adapting to them. Yeah, those are the ones that you know. You know. You know. You know. I mean, I love Tom Douglas in town, and some people, you know, some people say he's been a he's a big restaurant guy, uh, um, and and I I think he's done a great job over the last few decades of adapting to the new workforce, mm-hmm. and because the workforce is always changing, so if you're not changing with them, you're gonna you're gonna get run over, and you're only as good as the people you attract onto yourself. So right. yeah. Um. All right. This has been a great conversation. We're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Your job as a restaurant owner or manager is to paint a picture of the job done right and to empower your employees with the tools and knowledge they need 
to excel. This is why you need to check out Wisetail, a premier learning management system trusted by our industry's most recognized names. With Wisetail, quickly scale your training initiatives across all locations empower your employees to take control of their own learning and professional growth foster communication and engagement through their integrated training and communication tools and ensure long-term scalable success with the help of their best in breed client experience team. They'll take you from goal setting and implementation to ongoing strategy and best practices training to make sure you maximize your ongoing investment in your training and your programs and if you use my links you'll get your first three months free after signing up for a year contract again that's wisetail.com slash unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. Finally, a simple, affordable, and legal way to share the music that best represents your brand. It's called Soundtrack Your Brand. Get access to soundtracks tailored for any business. Side note, studies have shown that playing the right music can impact your sales. Do you have questions about what that right music is? Soundtrack your brain can help you there too. Here's a fun fact. I'm sure a lot of you out there listening to this already have a Spotify account. Well, you can take playlists from your account and import them directly into SoundtrackYourBrand.com. And my guests are always saying on the show that their restaurants are an extension of their own personal brand. Well, so isn't your music. And now you can marry these things together legally. Unlike Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack Your Brand is licensed for business use. Skip the hassle of ASCAP 
and BMI. Because with Soundtrack, your brand, it's already included. You can even schedule music for the whole week and adapt the music for each day part. Typically, this deal goes for $26.99 per month. But if you act now before the end of August, you can get this deal for $19.99 per location per month for life. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. Again, and we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Uh, honesty. What is your biggest weakness? Um, oh, <laughs> uh, I still uh, I get narrow-minded at times. Okay, what do you mean by narrow-minded? Get stubborn. Okay, focus on one thing or not. No, I get I, I get I get I get put in a corner and I can't and I and I and I and I hold my ground to a fault sometimes. Okay, um, what is your biggest challenge today? Challenge, yeah, um, staffing. Staffing. Uh, how are you dealing with that? We look and we look every single day. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, the hardest thing about that is that you know, it's like we have a, a lot of great people that are willing to work extra, but I don't like them working too much extra, so we try to limit it. But uh, staffing, I'd love to hire a bunch of people. And you know, I'm happy that you said that because there's a this kind of this thing that's going on uh, around right now in this the circuit of uh, of consultants and you know restaurant consultants saying there's no issue with staffing. The issue is if you can't find people to work for you, it's it's a reflection of your restaurant and your values and all this. I think there's some truth to that at one, once upon a time, less, less so today because yeah. there is a real issue out there. There's uh, when, a real issue when, <laughs> that people being able to afford to live in a city like Seattle. When the Tom Douglases and the Ethan Stoles of the world it, start coming out and saying, I'm struggling to find people. And these are, you know, you, you guys are usually the ones at the top that attract onto yourself all the time because you're at the top of the game. People want to come work for the best. You're struggling right now. Like that says something. Yeah. There's a real yeah. issue out there. Yeah, it's a real issue. I mean, you know, I mean, and, uh, you know, we're big enough so we can, with it, so we can cover it at multiple restaurants with, uh, you know, with roaming sous chefs and things like that. But, uh, it's definitely, we would definitely love to hire. I'd love to hire a dozen people today. But only more restaurants are opening and the issue is not going to get better anytime soon. So it's, it's really interesting. We to see just, I happen. feel like, I feel like actually, I feel like we can get ahead of it. Uh, but we have to get ahead of it. Yeah. But we're not going to, we're not going to get ahead of it until we do. Yeah. And so the question is, how long is that going to take? Six months is going to take a year to get ahead of it mm-hmm. because I mean I'm I'm happy at this point to overstaff, um, and that's a luxury we have. I'll, I'll admit that, but I'm happy to overstaff, but we just can't get there. Okay, so when you find these great people, uh, what's one question you ask during the interview process or thing you're looking for to bring them onto your team? Uh, you know, how do you like working on a team? You know, I mean, because it is man, a restaurant is a team, and mm-hmm. if you're not team oriented, it's going to be tough. Okay. You know, you got to have a positive attitude and you got to and you have to and you have to be willing to be a team. I mean, because you know, we used to hire strictly on talent, hire an attitude uh, a lot more now. OK, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be a way to act. Uh, engage, engage with the community. You know, we like to get that. We like to get our young cooks out there doing events with us. We had one last night for uh, an organization called the Why Not You Foundation. 
uh, and we brought you know the sous chef from How to Cook a Wolf, and we had a, we had a great time. You know, and he was happy. He's like, hey, yeah, I'm working for a company that's doing stuff in the community. What's one standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's standard within the four walls of your restaurants, but not standard within the industry. Uh, um, I think it comes back to being honest for one. For for two, you know, there's this thing about you know, you know, the guest isn't always right. I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guest is always the guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and 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 you know, I mean, you know, and we're not, you know, we're not, you know, the. Uh, for uh service like i remember we were at cortina a few weeks ago and there's a there were, i mean honestly there was a customer that was being super rude and uh you know i stepped in and i said what's going on here can i help you out with something and the guy was like, like he was just being a jerk yeah and i said to him i said i said listen i know all these people here they're all trying to make you happy yeah. every single person here is trying to make you happy and 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 the simple fact of the matter you're not allowing them is a problem. And I, and I said I, and I simply said to him I said I said hey we're going to take care of you tab tonight but we just would prefer you not come back. Yeah, how did that uh, go over? Uh, the staff loved it because <laughs> 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 apparently he'd been a, he'd been a pain a few two other times. Uh, but you know I mean and, but the thing is I mean I'm the only one that can you know that gets to say that. Yeah. Uh, but it, sometimes it feels good and I very rarely do it. Sometimes and you I was break up and, 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 and I was super nice about it and I just said hey man. We're really trying to make you happy, and we always try to make you happy. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, I think you know, I think the thing is, the guest is always the guest, and you, you have to be polite. You have to do things, and even if you're telling somebody they can't come back, you have to be polite about it. Heard? There's uh, not, there's, there's there's no emotion in decisions about uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff. If you, as soon as you get personally invested in it, it's a problem. I got you. So, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? Oh wow, that's a good one. A better person, a better restaurant operator. One or the other, or uh, both, or if you can think of, if you can't just think of one book. Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, we've listed, you know, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I think we uh, have done over the years, and we've had some of our, some of our uh, executive team members do it, is uh, get uh, books on tape about, about standards of management practices. Okay. You know, there's a lot of things about that. And one of the major, one of the major principles is as a manager, never get tired of repeating yourself. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, you know, audio books on, on management structure and management. Is there one that comes to mind? No, there's not. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. It's all right. I'm right there with you though. Especially <laughs> I'm happy that you mentioned audio uh, or audio, because I feel like that is a resource that's not nearly, nearly taken advantage of enough in this industry uh, because of how busy we are. And the thing with audiobooks is you can be doing anything, doing your morning prep or whatever, cleaning up at the end of the night, yep. playing it over the speakers for the yeah. whole team to or, hear. You know, or put on a headset on your bus ride over, yeah, whatever you're yeah, going to do. exactly. You can learn. For a busy person, it's the best way to learn. Yep. And I, I maybe finished one or two books in my life before audiobooks because I just could <laughs> never be still for that long. And then I started listening to audiobooks, and I probably go through a book a week now, and it's Great. changed my life. So uh, if you guys are not listening to audiobooks, head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Uh, you can get your first book on Restaurant Unstoppable, and you're kicking 15 bucks to Restaurant Unstoppable if you use my link. So thank you in advance. All right. Share one online resource or tool that you use to stay connected, or maybe it's just a tool that you leverage to be more efficient. Um, you know, I mean, I use the Monterey Seafood uh, app to see what kind of fish is sustainable a fair amount. 
Okay. We, that's definitely something that's important. And it really is, it does, it's really something that, that connects with uh, with your customers to know that you know that they're eating you know, seafood that's actually being caught. Yeah. So, co- what is the Monterey stable. app? I've never heard of it. Uh, so, the Monterey Bay Aquarium came up with came out with a, with a list of uh, fish you that are uh, friendly for the environment and 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 ones you should avoid or 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 are endangered. Okay. So you can just look it up and look at what you're doing and. Can you okay. use that app to connect with the the fisher or the, the not with the fisher? No, oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just a list of saying, "Hey, don't eat this." This, okay. is, this is something gotcha. where the where the where the numbers are a little bit depleted. All right, I'll link to that in the, sto- uh, in the show notes as well. And um, what is one technology that you've adopted in your four walls? This is more of a tangible piece of te- technology or software that you've leveraged. There's actually there's actually been a bunch right now. I mean, there's there's tons of of new technologies that are going on in restaurants. You know, anything everything from you know, switching all our stereo stuff over to Sonos, uh, or to doing, you know, we, we just change all of our, uh, all of our tablets, uh, all our POS stations and our, and our, um, reservation systems all, you know, you know, to all cloud-based technology. So what, so toast, platforms did you get in toast? To- okay. toast for POS seven rooms for, uh, reservations. Um, and you know, like, you know, there's a bunch of scanning apps for, so you don't have to code invoices anymore. And restaurant 360 is a great one. So yeah. there's a, there's a bunch of stuff out there that's, that's just making it a lot easier. So are you still using Vanga? Cause I remember that was a big one that Angela was excited about when I first interviewed her. We're not. Okay. No, we're not. We switched over. Um, and, um, actually, no, we are still using Vanga for, we are still using Vanga. Okay. Yeah, Venga's great. Uh, we're we're still using Venga, but we still we we have a bunch of other ones. You know, Venga one that does uh, compiling re- uh, restaurant Data, reviews, yep. uh, which is great. Yep. Uh, and then you know, Toast is one that you know every day I get a report of all the restaurants and all their you know their sales, their labor percentages, all that stuff, which is great. Um, which so, is all, which technology has you the most excited and why? Uh, I think it. For, for, I gotta say, you know. The office size restaurant three. I mean, those are the ones I'm all excited about. I mean, you know, I, I focus on different groups, right? So, so um, um, for the office restaurant three hundred and sixty has been awesome for yeah. them. Uh, Toast has been a great way for us to you know to compile more email addresses. And you know, as I talk about, I talk about impressions all the time yeah. you know, and staying connected with your customers. So How are you, you got, collecting emails from Toast? Or is it they, they 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 have to link in. They have to they have to opt in with a, with an email address. Okay. Uh, and then, um, so they have to opt in with the email address to be able to make reservations, be able to make reservations. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And reservation. So toast, uh, does that sync up with seven tables? So is it seven rooms? Seven rooms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then toast, uh, has been great just because you get so much instant, uh, information every day, you know, exactly where, how many covers came in, exactly the number of, uh, check average spent, the labor percentage, the dollars, you know, all that stuff, ha- you know, you know, is ver- really nice to be connected to your business because it's not, it's, you know, it's what we talked about earlier. It's all about trends. You know, like, hey, where's my trends that I'm, I'm worried about? Yeah. You know, and uh, Vanga also connect, you know, you know, you know, with getting consistent trends on restaurant reviews is helpful, too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I've grown to like uh, online <laughs> reviews. I used to struggle with them. I really actually like them now. They're but you helpful. can get a lot of information, a lot of data. When Tons. you can't be in all those locations, you can kind of keep your finger on the pulse. So if you got the news, this is the last question, by the way, and it's a doozy, so get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Uh, well, for for one, I wouldn't I wouldn't give a shit about the restaurants. <laughs> uh, I want to go spend time with my kids. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I mean, you know, as as this you know as this whole thing goes on, um, you know, I, I'm you know we've grown obviously, and we've 
uh, and we have uh, changed our business model. We've changed the kinds of restaurants. We've changed our management structure. All those things are 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 uh, are uh, have led up to us being more engaged with the community. Uh, and I'm I'm really liking the you know you know the, the the amount of community involvement we do. You know, we just did. You know, we 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 work with Pearl Jam for the home shows. We work with work with United Way. We work with the Why Not You Foundation. We work with the Zoo. We work with Fair Start. All these things we all these organizations plus plus dozens more. Um, you know, and and that's been something. You know, that's been something that's been meaningful and it's been super rewarding. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want people, you know, the things, the things that I want people to know about for us going forward is like, Hey, you know, they did it the right way. Uh, you know, they're, they, you know, they, uh, um, didn't try to take any shortcuts with running their business. You know, I mean, there's so many different restaurants that run things a little bit shady. We don't. We don't want to. I mean, it's just harder. You know, I mean, you know, lies are harder, harder, that, you know, harder to remember than the truth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I want people to know that we did the right way, that we were honest and we were fun. You know, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, I do believe that one of these one of the big keys to our success in the restaurant industry is that we still have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's a cool industry. I still do. It's t- it's gotten tougher. Uh, and we work harder at it now, but uh, I still think it's fun. So I got, think it's a great I've way to I've got five things. I got five things now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I heard them right, but uh, spend time with your kids, get involved with your community, do it the right way, no shortcuts, have fun. Yeah. You want to add anything to that? Or? Do it the right way and sh- no shortcuts, same thing. Okay. You got got four. you. Four. Okay. Yeah, you got three plus my kids. <laughs> you got three plus my kids. I like it. So uh, let the folks at home know uh, if we want to follow your work, maybe join your team, what's the best way to connect? EthanStoleRestaurants.com. And we wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator? Somebody you admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today. Uh, I'm wrapping things up in Seattle in the next couple of days. You're actually maybe my last interview before I head to mm-hmm. Oregon. So maybe anybody in that market? that doing uh, right? oh Oregon I don't go down there very much um, I should go down more um, let me think about that if you can't think of anybody in Oregon I'll take anyone I'll throw them on my list yeah for I mean I mean, I mean you know I mean I'll, I'll tell you you know I mean I'll, I'll tell you somebody's been has been a good roadmap for us and I've said it a thousand times man I mean I think Tom Douglas has done a great job just talked to him yesterday yeah. he's been amazing yeah he was he, a, an he's awesome great I mean you know I mean you know you know you know everybody has personal preferences on food uh, and it's not about his food i mean and i don't think he cares i don't i don't think he looks at us and says that their food's amazing i think i I think you know you know tom is is a person that's done the right way uh i think he's been in the industry for a long time and uh it hasn't burned him out which it burns out a lot of people and you know i mean he's taking care of his employees and he's consistently giving back to the community so he's been for us he's been a good role model you know I i mean and we're friendly we're not like best buds but we get along yeah. and and we're friendly uh but you know it's a it's just you know it's that it's that thirty thousand foot view of being like yeah you know what he's been successful over time it's been good ethan soul thank you so much man for taking the time no of your Thanks business schedule to, to sit with me to share your story to share your mentorship there is no questioning you are unstoppable <laughs> <laughs> There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Ethan Stoll, man, oh, some great stuff today. I think some of the big lessons 
in today's conversation, uh, the first one that came to the surface for me was this idea of organization and discipline and work ethic. Uh, what is discipline? Uh, having standards, doing it right every day, staying organized, right? Those are some of the things that came out of the conversation. And then another great concept uh, in today's conversation, something I hope that stuck with you, uh, is this idea of not taking a job for what you're going to make, but what you're going to learn and really being intentional about who you surround yourself with, what lessons you're learning and who you're aligning your brand with. Uh, it's so, so valuable early on in your career. And as you're evolving into a restaurateur, uh, really be paying attention to the numbers. Uh, it took a recession for Ethan to really pay attention to the numbers. And that's when he said things really started to take off and people want to know the numbers and make it into the game, right? The, the great game of business is all about uh, teaching your people how business works, the numbers that are involved in, in gamifying it, making it into a competition. Can we beat ourselves, you know, the version of ourselves last week, this week, how can we grow every day, every week, every month? How can we be a little bit better? And when you show people the progression and you give them the numbers, that's so powerful. Some some great stuff today. Uh, I mean, I'm just scraping the surface and the, the nuggets that were dropped in today's conversation, uh, but I'm trying to be better about these closing thoughts, making them a little bit more uh, succinct. So, trying to make them a little bit more to the point. So anyway, great stuff today. Thanks again, Ethan. And this uh, was my last Seattle interview. Actually, sorry, one more interview going to be going live uh, this week. And then uh, I'll be rolling out the Portland episodes. Man, I'm already back in New Hampshire. And I just wanted to thank everybody who made the last two and a month's or sorry, two and a half months possible. Uh, in that two and a half months, I was in Virginia. I was in Alabama. I was in New Orleans. I was in Texas. I was in Colorado. I was in Albuquerque. I was in Seattle, Portland. Man, I put over 14,000 miles on my car this summer, and I just couldn't have done it without the support of my listeners and the people out there that are, are you know contributing to this resource and just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. In the future, I want to do some more trips. Uh, I feel like I make a better connection with my listeners and my guests, uh, being able to, to to meet people in person, to to take my passion and find other people with similar passions and just compound on that passion. Uh, it's so powerful. So if, if you are a fan of this podcast and you want me to come to your city and you have a place for me to crash, reach out, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. You can find me on Instagram and, tw- and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, and Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, the best way to support this podcast in this mission to inspire, empower, and transform our industry is by sharing this resource. Guys, we transform each other when we share knowledge and ideas and ideals and lift each other up. That's how we transform each other. But in order to really get that full impact, we need to make sure people know this resource exists. So please help me get the word out there. And uh, I think that's all for today. Thank you guys so much for listening to me rant. Uh, I love you all. And until next time, peace out.